Over the past year and a half, companies have experienced significant fluctuation in demand. For those working in supply chain, the pressures they've had to face were no small feat. Supply chain leaders are looking to ensure that they have the most efficient order-to-cash processes so that they can be well-prepared and ready for any future bumps in the road. I'm Scott Leahy, and this is Esker on Air. Today, we have Dan Reeve, our Director of Sales and Business Development here at Esker, and Joe Pleshek, President of Terso Solutions. Uh, he's here to discuss the challenges many supply chain folks have had, particularly in the healthcare and life sciences space, and how to overcome these challenges, including visibility, efficiency, and optimizing cash flow. Thank you both for being here. I'll let you take it away, Dan. Thanks again. I'm Dan Reeve. We're going to be talking with a good friend and um, a, a gentleman that leads a company, leads sales for an organization at Terso Solutions, a division of ProMega. Now, many supply chain leaders who deployed Yeska technology operate inside the healthcare and the life science space. The challenges that we've heard over the years include things like, hey, we're striving to free up our folks to better serve our customers, plan deliveries, ensure that we can get the right product to the operating theater on time, as efficiently and quickly as possible, so that ultimately patient outcomes uh, are achieved or improved, and we can minimize the amount of time the product is in our warehouse, we can improve our supply chain, we can collect revenue as quickly as possible, which is especially important in, in, in that sector, because many folks, including leaders at Gartner, have said, hey, this is, in this sector, the product is often very expensive. Folks really cannot afford to miss uh, surgeries, and therefore, leaders, supply chain leaders sit on a lot of um, inventory and cash, and it's very expensive. So those leaders will often turn to ESCO as a, as a mechanism both to free up their staff to better serve the customer, enable the account receivable folks to both go and um, deliver invoices and collect chase money and apply that cash and also payables they'll, they'll enable the esca technology as a way to ensure invoices get paid quickly and suppliers are taken care of so i thought it would be useful to introduce uh, joe pleshek again who's ceo board member business development leader rfid and iot uh, rocket scientist who operates within the health, health health supply chain to to join us and tell us a little bit more about what are the trends that 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 um, Terso and his uh, Joe and his team at Terso are seeing, and any advice he might have for folks in that life science healthcare space. Uh, so, Joe, thanks for coming along. Pleasure to have you. That will be. Uh, I was excited about this one, so pleased to have you here. Dan, thank you very much. I, it's my pleasure and an honor to join you today uh, to talk a little bit about uh, the solutions in the market and some of the trends in life sciences and healthcare. Maybe I could just start with a bit of background on Terso. Um, we, we are a wholly owned subsidiary division of Promega, uh, been in business 16 years, providing inventory management solutions based upon radio frequency, uh, RFID technology-based inventory management solutions. Um, we've really stuck uh, to the healthcare and life science markets and deploying those solutions. And we work with medical device manufacturers, distributors, uh, life science manufacturers, and then also end users, acute care hospitals and lab laboratories. Um, and we, we you know, provide those a way for them to really get real-time visibility of inventory throughout the healthcare and life science supply chain. 
why is that so important, then, Joe? I mean, it, it it feels a bit like you're providing the RFID, the you're providing the mini bar on steroids to to yeah. the healthcare space, and clearly there's there's a reason they, that folks need it. What what is the what's the use case? What's the what's the pain that you solve ultimately? Well, I think the, the the pain is is around that visibility of of where inventory is with within the supply chain. Today, that is predominantly done manually. Either nurses counting uh, products on the shelf at the at the at the hospital, or sales uh, medical device sales reps looking for inventory at the hospital or within a distribution center. It's a very very manual process today, and with a lot of the pressures we're seeing in healthcare to lower cost and become more efficient, uh, we're seeing an increased demand by these companies saying, we need to do this in a more automated way. We need to have better visibility to the inventory so we can have the inventory at, at the right place at the right time and in the right condition to ensure you know success. At the same time, lowering the overall inventory that's required, which reduces working capital for the for all everyone in, involved. Um, because you know in these markets we cannot the, the, the idea of being out of stock just cannot happen because we have a patient uh, oftentimes at the end of this. And, and so historically the way to ensure product availability is to have just a ton of inventory everywhere. And we're just we can't we can't do that anymore, quite frankly. And and automation is a key to that. Yeah, I'm, I've I've heard stories of um, you know, pacemakers and devices, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. This is pretty hard to have those devices sat on the shelf, uh, gathering dust for, for a while. That yeah, that's right, that's right. And then you know a lot of these products you have expiration date issues, right? There you've got expiry and. And just because of all that inventory and very manual process, a lot of write-offs just due to expiration date management. And then, and then also in life sciences and, and in healthcare, many of the therapies that are, are, are provided now, um, including vaccines that we saw here recently with the pandemic, need to right. be stored at a temperature um, and, and consistently to ensure product integrity. So having you know chain of custody, and knowing that a product has been stored at minus uh, four degrees Celsius throughout its life cycle is really important to ensure that pa patient safety that you you mentioned. Right, right. And some of my good friends are scientists working there at uh, ProMega, so uh, I was aware that they were involved in um, some 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 research uh, supporting development of vaccines and distribution of vaccines. So uh, it's going to be pretty interesting that you your your sort of your URFID um, equipment is, is probably supporting some of that 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 vaccine rollout, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, we did see we did see some some uptake from that, and 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 I think longer term, the pandemic in in this in these markets has really identified even a greater need for what we do, and the it's elevated the role of supply chain leaders within healthcare and life science. I think up within those organizations. They, they now, we've heard talk to a few people that, that have said, hey, I really now have this, uh, a, a seat at the table uh, because of the recognition that supply chain is just so important in this, in this whole process. Well, I've got to pick up on that then because when you and I first met, uh, we, we were sitting at an executive briefing surrounded by uh, some of the, um, the leaders 
in the life science space. So these were, you know, many several executive vice president of supply chain leaders, some of the largest uh, life science companies in the U.S. And, and worldwide companies. And the executive who was giving that briefing had said, supply chain leaders, as they think about the future of their trajectory of their career, what their organizations were expecting from them is they had to be able to show that they had made a real difference, not just in customer service, not just in lowering costs and supply chain, but it, but improving the the overall experience, maybe even increasing revenues. What are you seeing now? That was perhaps two and a half, three years ago. What are you seeing now? What are the pressures, the expectations on supply chain leaders in your space? What are, what are they trying to achieve as they as they look to sort of deliver value to their organizations and, and dare I say it, grow their own sort of careers? Yeah, I, I, I would say it's really more moved from being reactive in, in managing and, and, and really it was all about how do I take cost out of the supply chain to now deploying solutions to be more proactive in managing the supply chain. I think that's the big shift. And I think I think what's happening is you're seeing companies you know that the vice president of supply chain reports to a c-level executive uh they're getting money now in budgets to deploy these more proactive automated automation technologies to become more proactive so we've we've seen a lot of interest in conversations we've been having uh basically that that's saying hey we have to be get ahead of this and also how do we use inventory management technologies uh, to become actually to create a differentiated position with our customers. So going to a hospital per se as a medical device manufacturer and saying, we want to provide this value added service based upon uh, these technologies, but we need, you know, to, we need more of your business. And, and really companies are seeing the use of technology as being, obviously they have their own innovative technologies and products, but these value-added services that can really help them grow their business. Oh. So uh, you, when you described that, you reminded me of something you said earlier in the conversation. You, you gave an example where you mentioned um, reps having to go or nurses having to go to the hospital stockroom, look around, track where products are. And in our world, life science organization, LifeNet, for example, had said, hey, we spend a lot of time there. We're looking to make sure that we really take care of the product. Um, they, I have to give LifeNet a shout out. They they, um, they, they sort of take um, parts from deceased relatives and, and, and ensure that the, those those parts are donated, gifted and, and, and for the living. And so that's a fantastic reason to be, you know, what, what they provide is a great service and, and as many folks would be very grateful for what they do, but they, they really take a, a lot of responsibility. They say, this is mission critical. We've got to make sure that any any part we have is gets to the right place. It, it, we cannot let it expire. It's mission critical for you know the whole reason we do this, and, and obviously very important to the families of the deceased that we give somebody else a chance. You know, yeah. with, with that body part, so to speak. So, um, and what they said and what they shared with us is one of the pains was that there's a lot of time involved for either the nursing staff or, or the sales folks to go find the product, update it. And uh, that takes time, that takes effort. And, and they were sort of encouraged us to let us down a path. And they said, could you develop technology to help capture that demand signal, update the ERP, you know, trigger the invoice, 
Um, is that the sort of, as you talk about added services, it sounds like there's a, there's a play for technology. And, and what are you seeing in the market? That's just one example. What are you seeing that sort of, as you talk about added services, where does technology come into that play? Yeah, absolutely, Dan. I mean, that's that's a that's a perfect use case and one that we're very familiar with. The the whole tissue and biologics, human donated tissue and biologics for Terso is, you know, a a a very much a, a proven use case for our technology. So that demand signal that you know in the past had to be kind of uh, initiated by a sales rep or a nurse. Now imagine it, that human donated tissue part being removed from a Terso RFID uh, freezer. And then as soon as the nurse shuts the door, we scan and know that nurse Joe has just removed this tissue, piece of tissue, and it's now gonna be implanted in a procedure. That's automated. There is no, there, you know, there's no barcode scanning or counting or, so, so that automation of that demand signal is really what we're seeing. And, and the, the benefit to that is the, the, the fact that because there's you know shortages at the hospital of nurses, and also what we're seeing the trend is the restrictions that hospitals are placing on who can come in and out of hospitals. That really is being looked at, particularly now, you know, as we kind of come out of the pandemic, hospitals, acute care hospitals are really going to start to restrict the number of people that can come in and out. So again, that automation of that demand signal, because then that flows directly into an inventory management system into an escrow system and EHR and down the road. It's that end-to-end -end automation. Now, I, I understand, or I believe you focus predominantly on the healthcare and the life science space. I'll let you yeah. comment on that in a minute, but I was gonna say, would you extrapolate that? I'm sure you've, you've had conversations and you've probably got visions of the future. How far does that go? I mean, does it, uh, does it go to the point like, you know, where last night I was picking up a pizza from the grocery store and I pulled the pizza out. Is that gonna send a signal that, okay, that pizza's that's one of ten, and once we get down to two of ten remaining in the in the freezer, that needs we need to send a demand signal and get get a replacement. How far does it go? Do you think? Well, I think for us, we're we're very we're we're continuing to stay focused on on the healthcare and life science space. I think what we're what we have seen is the cost of the technology is coming down. The cost of an RFID tag, as an example, that you need to put on whatever you're measuring or, or, or tracking, you know, five years ago was 50 cents a tag. Now it's 10, less than 10 cents a tag. So as the cost of the technology comes down, it the, the technology will be more applicable to, uh, you know, other items outside of healthcare and life, life sciences. You know, one of the things that you've um, we've spoken about in the past is life science companies and the hospitals are investing in this technology. There's often um, both in like that sector, but also in manufacturing, warehousing, um, cleaning supply companies. They often the product will go through a distribution network before it gets to its end target, the end user or the hospital. It makes me think of a a, a hundred year old supply cleaning supply uh, distribution company in the northeast, and their founder. Um, this, well, she's the daughter of the founder of their CEO had said, look, what we're trying to do here, Dan, is one, we don't want field sales reps on the road calling in orders, making mistakes, because that, that can totally wipe out the profit. There's better things those reps can be doing. Um, two, we want to free up our customer service folks so they can actually engage, educate, even do some selling and, and, and you know make, make some commission and 
therefore propel them into the type of job they're enjoying and make make better opportunity for their families. And that's obviously important right now. Trying to retain staff is, you know, post pandemic or at this point of the pandemic is seems to be critical. And then she says, ultimately, we've got to keep Amazon out of our backyard. How do you do that? Well, I think you offer technology, you try and offer lower costs, but you have to out service, educate and cross sell. You've got to do all these things to keep Amazon out of your backyard. Um, so what are you seeing in that distribution space? It sounds like that could be something that you're you're observing too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's being able to drive as much benefit all the way through the, the, the supply chain. So if a manufacturer tags a product, a heart valve at the point of manufacture, they're now with RFID. They, they, they you know, they may start years ago have started with, well, we want to know at, we want to see that at the point of use at the hospital. But now we're seeing that being tra- that product being tracked from the point of manufacture to a, dist- a big, large distribution center, maybe even then, let's say in Memphis, right? And then from Memphis, it goes to a forward stocking location in Seattle and mm-hmm. is tracked there. And then, um, and then, and then to the actual hospital. And then, then the hospital, everyone is getting value on knowing where that specific product is at any given time throughout the supply chain, that end-to-end visibility. Right. Well, that reminds me, um, a gentleman who I know, he worked for SAP as a, a technology sales rep for many years and later formed a, a, a company and where supply chain leaders will often deploy ESCA to capture and, and feed orders into uh, feed orders of all different formats into an ERP, thus freeing up the sales rep, his technology would kick in after the order is fed into the ERP and really provide visibility as to where are products in the supply chain? Are there any risks? Is there a risk at the dock? Is there a risk in quality and control? Is there a risk in production? Where is the risk? And it seems that with what the pandemic has highlighted is that supply chain leaders are having to sort of turn and vet and have more suppliers on their books. We've seen that that need come through our procure to pay technology and the need for more visibility, almost a, how do I call it, a heads up display, a cockpit that shows you any sort of green, yellow, red flags in the supply chain. So it seems like visibility is, is needed uh, across not just the demand, but across all these different activities that ultimately are required to get the product where it's supposed to go. Is, is that fair? I mean, that, that's, the, that's the layman's, my description of what I see going on. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, you know, look at look at the supply chain issues we're seeing across the world in all areas of life. The the challenges with, you know, now as we're coming out of this is we're really challenged around inventory in all areas of the business, from your local grocery store to your automobile sector to, you know, um, graphics cards for computers. I mean, there's that whole need for that visibility and you, as you said, that requires more vendors, probably more suppliers. So right. it's, it's. I think the need for this visibility has never been greater, and I don't think we will see that decreasing anytime soon. Are there best practices that you you suggest to folks who are going to explore this technology, or when when the the, the companies and the fi- um, finance and supply chain leaders that turn to you folks and deploy your technology? I mean, what do you advise them? What what goes well, and what what are the best practices? 
Yeah, I think what we're seeing we're seeing now, uh, Dan, is is people are getting started. They're this idea of waiting until we have a enterprise solution all knitted together with various technology components. You know, for in some for some applications that's fine, but we're seeing people that are saying, "Hey, we want to go now. We want to set up a small pilot uh, to start in a, in a in a region or with it with this distribution center." They're really getting started and then learning, in, in, iterating, kind of that agile mm. approach. Mm. Just get started small. We call it the crawl, walk, run approach. But get started, get some learnings, get you know the technology going, and then deploy from there. So I think that would be that's what we're seeing as a trend, and and we think is a is a best practice for the deployment of our technology, but many other technologies as well. We've here at Esca. 99% of the projects we deliver uh, are delivered in an agile fashion, as you just described. And, and what we've often seen is until folks actually have the technology or have the units in place, they cannot really sort of envision, okay, what's it going to be like? How is it going to work? Do I need everything possibly that we could write on a, on a, on a chalkboard or a whiteboard? Maybe I don't need all those things. Maybe, maybe it'll bring more value. Maybe there's other ways or things I don't realize. And by getting the product into people's hands and starting small, we typically find, you know, it's an opportunity. If you're going to fail, fail quickly. If you're going to find yep. problems, find them quickly, or you can realize value earlier. So are there other anecdotes as, as you've gone about deploying this technology, these units, other, you know, anecdotes where folks have said, oh, I didn't expect this, or oh, I discovered this, but didn't realize that would be the case. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's absolutely the case. I think integration is one of the the visibility we we produce we the the data we provide um you know how much of that how how much of an integration into other systems do you need into an erp or or, or a crm um oftentimes it, it can be we need to integrate everything in right. and 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 we need to start there well then you come back and actually we don't need to integrate everything we only need 15 percent of the you know what we thought we needed so that to your point, Dan, is is what the analogs we're seeing. Well, one in, in around that data integration, but that's where I think, like we said, starting small, learning, you know, being agile. That 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 I think is a is the is the proper approach. Well, uh, I'm sure we could talk, and um, perhaps we will talk again. We'll talk further for the the audience who are listening in. What's the best way that they might contact you and sort of pick your brains and maybe understand if if, if your technology would be applicable. Or, or how they might start exploring the technology in the life life science and the healthcare space. Yeah, that'd be great. It, I would suggest visiting our website, uh, which is Terso, T-E-R-S-O Solutions, all one word, dot com, and the, it can give you a great overview. We've got a ton of best practice white papers, blog posts, uh, and and just overviews of our technology products and services as well. Well. Joe, thanks for coming on. Great, great chatting with you today and, and clearly a, a, an exciting space. And it must be super exciting for you because, you know, in ironically, again, I guess the, the pandemic has probably accelerated in our world. The, the pandemic has accelerated and, and almost acted like the chief innovation officer. That's certainly what we see within finance and procure to pay and order to cash projects. But it seems that's that's true almost in any sector where you look. Um, yeah. I imagine you're seeing someone similar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's a very exciting times, challenging um, right. running a company during this as well. But 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 also it it gives, I think, us hope 
for the future in what we do and and also we're making a difference. i think what you would esker does what we do. we're making a difference in these very important sectors um and so dan i appreciate the conversation today. it's been a great pleasure and an honor again and i look forward to continued discussions down the road yeah thanks jim great to have you thanks again thank you thank you to dan and joe pleshek for being our guests today if you have any questions or are interested in learning more about inventory management with terso solutions joe can be reached at joe.pleshek p-l-e-s-h-e-k at tersosolutions.com and as always if you are interested in learning more about esker and our automated solutions you can find us at esker.com thanks for tuning in today and we'll talk to you next time